Hi there, Star Wars fans, and welcome to the latest episode of the Jedi Council podcast. I'm your host for today, Alistair Clark, and today we have our returning brother of the Force, Dave. Say hello, Dave. Hello, Dave. Dave, how are you? It's been a little while since you've been on a podcast. It has. It has. I know. And that's why I've completely overrated Dave. No, um, it has. Where's the time go? I think it's just a bit of real life has just got in the way for the last last few weeks, I think. Um, But no, um, everything's good. Um, Still collecting, still watching Star Wars, um, still enjoying it. Yeah. And and in a way, it's good you went there because it means you've got even more time to speak about Star Wars Celebration and all the news that's happened since. And of course, Dave's not alone this week. He's joined by the first lady of the Jedi Council. Say hello, Mara. Hello, Mara. Hello, Mara. Have you had a chance to rethink anything since our last discussion? Which I think listening back onto it was a little bit ranty from me, but it was thoroughly enjoyable. <laughs> Maybe a little bit. I'm looking forward to seeing what uh, or hearing what Dave says. Yeah, me too. So I think there is only one place to kick off, of course, which is the unfortunate news this week that there has been a death in the Star Wars family, and that is um, Peter Mayhew. And just looking at some of the tributes that have have come in this week, you've got people like Harrison Ford saying we were partners in film and friends in life for over 30 years, and I loved him. He invested his soul in the character and brought great pleasure to the Star Wars audience. Mark Hamill said what was so remarkable about him was his spirit and his kindness and his gentleness was so close to what a Wookiee is. He just radiated happiness and warmth. He was always up for a laugh and we just hit it off immediately and stayed friends for over 40 years. Now, as regular listeners will know, you've both been long-term Star Wars fans. You've been there since the very beginning. So perhaps, Mary, we can kick off with you just saying your feelings towards Chewbacca and, and what Peter May brought to that character. Oh, my. Where to start, really? I mean, oh, I, I mean I'll never forget where I saw him in the cantina uh, with Obi-Wan and... Um, and your eyes are just drawn right to him. I mean, here you are, you're, you're a little kid, and, and you see this, these creatures and these wonderful things, but there's just something about Chewie from the start. And when he's sitting with Han and, and in the cantina and they're, you know, making the deal. And, um, and then as the movie progresses, you're just like, you really love this creature because at that time you don't know that he's a, a wookie you don't know anything about him he's just you know a walking carpet really <laughs> um but man he just brought that character to life where i believed that there were other wookies somewhere um you know uh and that they would tear your arms off. And I was actually a little bit of frightened when Han said that, <laughs> let the Wookiee win, you know? Um, but really, I mean, in his eyes, you could really see the uh, enjoyment uh, that Peter actually had doing the part. I, it's a, it was an unusual crew of actors turned friends all these years. And I, um, it, it was a big blow. It was a very big blow, yeah, and yeah. I'm getting a little teary um, talking about it because 
he was huge in my life. Just like, you know, Carrie and Kenny and Alec. So. I think, well, that, you know, his his family released a statement upon his sad passing where he said, the Star Wars family meant so much more to him than a role in a film. And George Lucas followed that by saying, Peter was a wonderful man. He was the closest any human being could be to a Wookiee. Big heart, gentle nature, and I learned to always let him win. He was a good friend, and I'm saddened by his passing. Dave, what are your immediate reflections? Peter, um, he was he was very very active on the uh, convention circuit. So, and he did that for years and years. Um, I think he was possibly one of one of the first ones to start doing it. So his engagement with the fans and the amount of warmth he used to get across when he used to meet fans. I think that that was just massive. Mm. Um, he used to get, or yeah, he appeared, I'm, I'm assuming he did. He used to get so much enjoyment out of mixing with, with the fans and, and posing with them and, and talking and chatting about his, his time in the movies. Um, so f- for him, I think because he, prior to him becoming Chewbacca, um, I think he was a hospital porter. Um, so it was a massive role change for him to go into movies um, and then to pick up such an iconic part and, and become such such a memorable character for everybody. Um, nobody doesn't know who Chewbacca is. Even people who don't know what Star Wars is would recognize Chewbacca. Um, and, and I think for him, that just became such a massive part of his life. Um, and, and he, he was very embracing of the fans to, to almost, they were almost an extended part of his family. Um, so he is, he will be, he is greatly missed. He's just, yeah, he was just, he was a wonderful, wonderful man. Um, yeah, it is, it is sad that he's gone. I never realized he was unwell. I know that he'd had, um, replacements because, because of like worn out joints. Um, cause he'd, he'd had that prior to the force awakens, I think. Yeah, because um, he was recovering from it just before they started filming. Um, <clears throat> so I don't know. Um, I, you you don't tend to find people who are oversized in the way that he is. I, I think it is fairly common for people to die younger than than average. Well, my seventy four is not not bad. Um, but yeah, it, it's sad that he's gone. Really sad. Yeah, I mean, I, I was shocked when the news came out, and there was a huge outpouring on social media straight away. It was trending worldwide. Um, there's been huge outpouring of grief, and I think it's safe to say we've we've lost a, another legend, just like Kerry and, and all the other people Mera mentioned before. 
Um, but I think so. We'll, we'll move on from that very sad, sad moment to talk a little bit about um, Star Wars Celebration. Yes, bringing you the latest news here on the Jedi Council. And yeah. perhaps, Dave, you could talk about what you thought when you found out about the Rise of Skywalker was the title and what you thought about the trailer itself. Obviously, Mary and I have, have had our say. No, yeah, you, you had plenty to say, the pair of you, didn't you? <laughs> um, don't worry, everybody. I'm not going to do this in an hour. Um, I'll try and do this a lot faster. Um says you <laughs> yeah yeah um where to start okay so one one thing that immediately jumped out at me for the trailer so before because you, initially you don't know what what the film will be called they don't unveil the name to the very end but it's at the very beginning of the trailer there's there's a there's reminiscence of the force awakens trailer so I don't know if you remember the, the Force Awakens trailer. You hear panting noise almost, yep. and then all of a sudden, up pops Finn in front of the desert background. And mm. in a similar way, the beginning of the the teaser trailer for um, Episode Nine, you, you hear deep breathing, and then the 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 blackness fades. The daylight comes up and you see Ray on a desert scene. So for me, there's, there's a lot of similarity to, to how that begins, um, which was strange. Um, and I don't know if that's because this is being done by J.J. Abrams and, and he's bringing it back to, to what he wants. Yeah. Um, and, then, and then you see Ray... Okay, I'm repeating everything that that's probably already been said here, but you see. I was, was going to say we we mentioned yeah. that on our previous one, and we we wondered what that meant tonally for for mm. the film itself. So, what what do you think? Do you think that they're going to ignore a lot of the Last Jedi? I mean, that's certainly been the suggestion. Or do you think that they that they will continue the story? I mean, I mean, two minds around that. To be honest, I am firmly in the camp of disliking the Last Jedi. I think I've made my opinion upon that film known fairly universally. Um, so, a small part of me wishes for J.J. Abrams to just get out a large tin of paint and smear it all over that movie and 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 wipe it from existence um but i don't think that's the right thing to do despite me disliking the movie so much and despite me probably never really wanting to go back to the movie it is part of the story now as bad as it is and as many flaws as there are in it and as many mischaracterizations of established characters um unfortunately it is now part of canon so i think i think jj i think that the, the opening of this trailer is deliberately reminiscent of the force awakens yeah. i think he's done that to show this is going back to what worked in the force awakens and i think that that's what that was a deliberate ploy to do 
which is another thing which which is picked up later on in the movie as well in in the trailer as well with the repairing of Kylo Ren's helmet which I think is possibly a stronger message that J.J. Abrams will set right what has gone wrong um, have you, re- have you read was- the theory about that helmet by the way either of you no. Which one, Kyber Crystal one? No, so so he goes to the to the recent comic series of, of Vader, um, which has effectively made some objects like a like a, a Horcrux in Harry Potter. Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah, and yes, the idea that Kylo helmet. Ren's helmet actually is a bit of a Horcrux, and that's the link to Palpatine. Hmm. So you've got this weird, you've got this weird Darth Vader sort of obsession that we saw in the first film, and we saw the helmet before it was destroyed. and And the idea is, is that the, the obviously we we can talk straight away that that Palpatine's in this film, and and lots of people are trying to work out how. And one of the reasons that people have come up with is that why would this helmet survive? Why would it be being rebuilt like like this unless it was calling to him in some way? It's kind of interesting, has potential. But that means that the helmet would have to predate Kylo Ren. Yes. Or have been infused somehow by somebody, yes. Um, but you, you, would have, you would have thought it would have been infused while Palpatine was alive, or not long after his death. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, that's where all these theories come up, and, you know... I, I, I know, I know you haven't rewatched the Last Jedi, Dave. But I've after I, I did the long, lob- <laughs> yeah. Still, after I the still not podcast, managed to the uh, I, I watched it again after the last podcast, trying to find some sense in the in the trailer because obviously, as you probably heard, Dave, I wasn't the biggest fan of it. Um, and I went back and, and I watched it. And it's really, there are moments in The Last Jedi now where I look at it and I think, I'm not saying they did it deliberately, I think it is retconning, but there are moments where you look at, in particular, Snoke's relationship with Skywalker, the way his face looks, his obvious hate for him. There are lots of indications where nobody's ever really gone. Um, You know, how a lot of people think cloning could come into this and how, how Snoke was actually, in fact, Palpatine all along. And if you go back and watch The Last Jedi, you can you can really understand why people would think that just by some of his mannerisms and some of the things he says. It it that just didn't really make sense, you know, strike your enemy down, the Skywalker's returning, the way that he is so much more powerful with the force than we've seen before. There's a lot of interest around that. I mean, what what do either of you... I don't think we really spoke about that on the last podcast, Mera, as well. Do you think Snoke could have been Palpatine all along? Uh, I can see where it, it makes a little bit more sense to me. Um, uh, yeah, sort of. <laughs> it's not really a good answer, maybe, but... Dave, how would you feel about that? I, I don't think so. In part, I mean, he's dressing, for instance, okay, he's, he's dressing down with Kylo Ren in the movie yeah. when he tells him to, to 
get rid of that stupid helmet thing. Mm. Now, Palpatine is... From, from everything we knew about Palpatine from all of the previous movies, he is massively... Um, um, Vain? <laughs> well, yeah. Um, he, he understands the, the strength of symbolism. Mm. He understands how to manipulate others and to get, and but but not just individuals. He understands how to manipulate masses and how to influence and how to achieve his aims. Well, so, sorry. So, no, I was just I was just going to say. So, so what Palpatine did with Vader was, in in some ways, what. What Obi-Wan did to Anakin in their final battle possibly gave Palpatine his... Well, it did give Palpatine his greatest weapon, Invader, because not only did it give him um, such a strong fighter, but he already had that as, as Anakin, but it also gave him this looming, imposing, henchman-style um, enforcer. And 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 Palpatine used the Enforcer to 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 do what he needed to get done without him having to put himself into a position of having things done. Mm-hmm. So for him to then attack, it's for Snoke then to attack Kylo Ren for trying to emulate Vader. Then that doesn't for me that doesn't work. But don't you think in, in some of the books that we see Vader tested a number of times by the Empire in that sort of sense? You know, I've, I've read the Vader book where that happens quite a bit, where he's deliberately testing his loyalty. There's also this, this sort of odd anomaly as well in terms of backstory where lots of them have been looked into or touched upon, but they've just said so clear of Snoke. They have. And that's, and, and that's why it's like, yeah, okay, yeah. has he had learnings from his past mistakes? Has he changed his approach? Has his hate grown? Has he, uh, as you say, you know, maybe it is slightly different, but maybe it's a different approach because he got it wrong first time around. There's also these kind of ideas about force projection, which we know from Rebels, where he brought uh, the Emperor brought himself before Ezra in two different forms, that he's more than capable of that. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of interesting things that that suggest that that maybe maybe from the start Snoke was supposed to be the emperor. There's also this this really odd thing about Matt Smith. So the Doctor Who actor where I don't know if you saw about a month ago he came out and said he wasn't in the new film at all. Yes. Yeah. But before that people had been saying long before that that he was Palpatine in this, a young Palpatine of some form, a clone or something like that. Now, it seems to me, if you wanted to hide Matt Smith in plain sight, that would be a pretty good way to go about it, is put everything on Ian McDermott, which they did at Celebration, whilst hiding this guy, and and seeing what J.J. Abrahams has done before with the the Khan scenario and uh, Benedict Cumberpatch. I've seen this before with Star Trek. So I, I, it 
there's lots of interesting things around this. How would you feel about Matt Smith and a young Palpatine coming out? Because obviously there has to be... That then takes us back to clones then, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. And we know um, from the from the Mandalorian panel, which we'll talk about a bit later, that they're now, they're now much more prepared to go to the expanded universe um, mm. and bring stuff in. So it wouldn't be that big a surprise, would it, to bring in cloning? You know, we've seen it in, um, in well, just in the Attack of the Clones. We, it's, it's there. Um, it's been in video game where we saw his um, uh, sort of visage appear on a robot. Yeah. So, yeah. so it's not impossible that Matt Smith is Palpatine, that Palpatine exists in some form, or indeed that Snoke is Palpatine. So how, how would, if, if that was true... Would that change your opinion of Snoke as a character in the previous two films? I, I haven't got any issue with Snoke as a character anyway. Um, I think in The Force Awakens, he was, he was portrayed in a similar way to the Emperor, in that he was this... isn't known if that... If, 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 I don't know if that does make sense or not, um, but but almost like a powerful background force, and and in a way that was what the emperor was perceived to be in the way that the emperor was positioned in the first two films. It was only really in the third film that the emperor came to the fore and actually featured within the movies in his own right. Um, so. I I liked the way that Snoke was initially positioned. I felt in the second movie, I didn't dislike how he was positioned. I thought it was done well. Um, but not enough was done with him when we actually did see it. I just yeah. felt he was a wasted opportunity um, in the second movie, like, like so much else in that second movie. Um, so... But did it bother you at all um, with the ease that he was killed and how he didn't see it coming when it was? Oh yeah, but I, like I said, I just think that was just because it was mismanaged. But we, but the, the, I think the problem that that okay, so it's possible that we we are looking at J.J. Abrams attempting to retcon what what happened in yeah. the Last Jedi. It could be that that's the case because of the perceived flaws in the movie but there were so many characters in the last jedi that were so badly handled that snoke being badly handled was just one of many if that makes sense you you had a luke skywalker that was not luke that that was so badly portrayed that Mark Hamill has repeatedly said it was yeah. badly handled. Even today, he still yeah. he still has beef with how his character was handled. I mean, I you think have, I think we've spoken though about yeah. that many many it's, times before, but, but, so it's but, kind of repeating old ground. Yeah. But with Snoke, but Snoke is a character is, that J.J. Abrams created, so it's a bit different. But, but okay, yeah, but but so was Poe. And again, Poe was really badly handled in the the Last Jedi. But uh, that's not that's not JJ Abraham's fault, is it? And so JJ Abraham, no, no. as I was saying, I think he could be yeah. taking this opportunity to say that wasn't my character di- uh, direction, and here yeah, is that. But what, what I meant was, what, sorry, what I meant was that 
we're focusing on Snoke here, rightly or wrongly, because we're looking at how J.J. Abrams might be trying to make up for how the character was badly handled previously. But my argument is there were so many characters that were badly handled in that movie, then why focus upon Snoke? Well, I think I think we're we're actually looking at why how how Palpatine could return. Yeah. So that's what I think is the essence of this. Is is okay? We heard the laugh at the end. How do you bring him back with what we've got at the moment? And so that's why I think Snoke becomes more interesting because to me it's the most obvious way of bringing him back. I don't think it will be Snoke. No, I think I have to to disagree. Um, I don't, and again, I don't know if it was direction or story or what. I think that Snoke was, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like there was any essence of Palpatine in him. I mean, it was like this wannabe. I mean, yes, he was very powerful. And then they, you know, killed him off. Why? Because of his hubris, just like... Well, I don't know. Palpatine had happened the same thing. He never thought that Vader was going to actually turn on him. I, I don't know. I guess I don't buy it yet. I would have to be a strong, uh, a very, very strong tie-in or a mini backstory in this next movie to make me look at Snoke differently as yeah, a I mean, possibility. I, I, think the, I think the idea behind that would be that Snoke was always a smokescreen for Palpatine. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to well, reveal himself. Yeah, I'll yeah. go for that. And, and it could be that Snoke was a puppet of Palpatine. Mm-hmm. I exactly. just don't think he was Palpatine. Yeah, I can see that. And, and I do think he might well have been a puppet because it's a, it's an easy way of bringing back the First Order, which was effectively the Empire Reborn. Because um, you, you've also got the issue that how would a powerful force user like Snoke have avoided the interest of Palpatine while Palpatine was alive. He, he'd made um, a strong play to get his hands on anybody who was Force-sensitive and to either employ them as he did Vader or employed them as he did the um, Inquisitors. So we know that, that Palpatine wasn't unhappy with employing four sensitives when he could. Um, and so for, for someone like Snoke, who, who appeared to be as powerful as he was, who was able to cloud the, the judgment and the mind of, of Luke Skywalker whilst Luke was supposedly a Jedi Master, um, would imply that Snoke was incredibly powerful. Um, so how did he come to come to escape the notice of Palpatine unless of course he was more powerful than Palpatine in in which case he could hide himself in plain sight the way that Palpatine hid himself in plain sight from the Jedi but if that's the case how did he get taken down so easily by um, Kylo Ren I, I, I don't know there's too there's too much there that one thing begets something else if that makes sense I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the only, the only thing you have about that is is in the books, and I think it was one of the books you read last summer, Dave, where Palpatine was setting up these observatories. 
and he mm-hmm. saw something big in the outer rim and everyone until now has assumed it was Snoke. Maybe that's right. Maybe that's wrong. Um, you've also got this corrupting of Kylo Ren from a young age by Snoke and de- delving into his mind without Luke finding out. Um, so there's, there's lots of interesting questions to me that were answered, which um, going back to like my, my review of the trailer, if, if they went down that kind of route, I wouldn't be unhappy with that in particular. I mean, let's not talk about Avengers Endgame, but that was a three hour film. And I, you know, if they made this film three hours and it was good, I, I would have no problems with that. Um, Cause I think it's going to have to be a long one to sort all this out. Mm. Agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do, do you have any other big observations Dave, from the trailer, which we didn't really talk about last time? Um, I don't know if the necessarily big observations. I think for me, I I've not really picked up on loads of, and, and maybe not looked deeper. For me, I've I've just looked at it very superficially, and because it's a teaser trailer, and and so there's it, there's deliberate playing around by J.J. Abrams. We know that the first movie that he produced was a deliberate, for want of a better word, clickbait. Um, the idea was to to re-engage with the original fans, to re-engage with people who had turned away from Star Wars because of um, the the prequel trilogy, and he succeeded very well with that. And so, for me, I I, I, I was watching the trailer, this this teaser trailer, more on the basis of what was the the immediate thought from seeing things if that makes sense yeah and there was almost like there, there was there was almost like the the there was nice little flashback feelings again to the original trailer so you saw um obviously lando sat in the the, the millennium falcon cockpit but laughing exactly the same as he did at the end of revenge uh, sorry return of the jedi where he's just blown up the death star so you've almost got got the flashback moment but 40 years later you've got the scene that almost looks like um the the heroes and, and it looked like the, all the heroes are together in this movie which i think i think has been something that's been lacking so far but you see them on what looked like a a, a desert skiff almost like the tatooine desert skiff being pursued by jet troopers and again that's almost like a flashback to the return of the jedi um, I, I quite like the fact that you saw um, Ray at the very beginning holding both a lightsaber but also with a blaster on the hip because um, obviously the Jedi shunned firearms they had more elegant weapons um, so that's, that's an interesting thing because it, it means that she isn't a Jedi or at least she's not fully following the Jedi path. Um, and where does the lightsaber come from? Um, she, right. she, yeah. 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 Um, well, we know it's the old one. <laughs> she confirmed well, that panel. Yes, but how she got it? Yeah, I mean, we, we spoke about that on the on the last episode because i thought that was nonsense but i think mary you thought she kind of picked up the two pieces and put it together again i do yeah 
but I, I agree with you about that. I think I think there is some there's an interesting element of this where and, and you you may disagree, but the thing about The Last Jedi which which did intrigue me the most was about balancing the force. It was it was a big theme throughout it about what is balance and Luke Skywalker says there was balance for a time and then it got tipped the other way and and um Snoke says, you know, Skywalker didn't realise he was so wise to realise what he knows. So what do you think about the idea of Palpatine returning for the balance of the Force? Does it change what you think about films you watched 30 years ago where we all thought balance had happened? What do you think about that? It's kind of interesting. There's a huge debate about that in the community at the minute. Well, 40 years ago, 30 five years ago when we saw Return of the Jedi it wasn't about balance of the force Um, that only really popped its head up during the prequels where you had the the prophecy was then discussed about the chosen one bringing balance to the force Um, prior to that we just saw a period where darkness had power and the Jedi were attempting to end the the, the Sith's reign of terror. Um, so the the idea of balance is a fairly new concept in Star Wars, in in that it's only twenty years old, not forty years old. Um, so I don't know. I mean, if if you look at Star Wars history, then. The, the Jedi have been an ascendant for, for the best part of 20,000 years. We've, we've only minor skirmishes of the Sith, and the Sith never really getting a, a decent hold on the galaxy until Palpatine and Vader. So there's never really been balance in the Force, if you, if you want to argue that. Um, and Luke didn't bring balance to the Force because ultimately he destroyed all of the the main Sith or the main dark side users. Yeah. So so he didn't bring balance really. If you if you look at it from that perspective, all he did was was take it. He 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 pushed the 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 dial all the way to the other side again. Yeah. I mean, but it but it looks like now, if Palpatine survived in some form, he didn't even do that. No, no, which which is one of which was one of my main criticisms of the film trailer and the film itself going in this direction was I did not like that retconning in particular. Um, but Mary, what do you think about balance in the force, and do you think it is even ever achievable? Maybe. Um. Well, I I don't know. I I think it's possible, but you have to have willing parties to say if we make it um there's always evil there's always good there's always that fight is there a balance i mean our own history we've got rise of evil we've got that overthrown uh, we've got peace for a while but then we've got rise of evil and you know it's repeating itself all the time it's evil is never dead and i don't know if it will ever be dead or completely gone um but i mean 
we could certainly see a literal balance of the force, but that means that the good has to embrace the 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 dark side and the dark side embracing the light and and it kind of makes me think of what's going to happen to Kylo. There's no redemption, or is there redemption? Is there a uh, joining the light to defeat a greater evil, uh, to bring that balance? But to have balance, you have to have a both in yeah. equal parts. So, uh, I mean, it certainly is achievable, but are we ever going to see it? We don't see it in real life. Are we going to see it in the Star Wars universe? I I don't know. Yeah. I mean, there has been speculation that the rise of Skywalker means that the rise of Rey as a Jedi and Kylo as a Sith and the return to balance in that form. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm, I'm not sure I quite buy into that, but um, what do you think about that, Dave, that those two ascend into what was before to strike balance again? Well, you could argue that the, the, the one thing that The Last Jedi did provide was balance. In that the, there was one powerful dark side user and one powerful light side user mm-hmm. at the end of that because the two masters both died. Yeah. Except, uh, except now this Palpatine thing means that's not true. But also you hear Luke's voice as the talk over for the entire trailer yeah so you may have palpatine back but have you actually lost luke exactly you may have him back too i mean is he gone (laughs) exactly palpatine can come back so can luke somehow yeah that's gonna be interesting (laughs) yeah and would you both welcome that that, that, that the, the metal hand never fell to the ground yeah 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 so, so would you welcome, as you say, Dave, going back to a fight that happened 35 years ago to finish it off? I just feel like they should have left that in the past. I was very happy with that ending. Mm. I don't think they need to do this. Well, you could say that about the entire uh, sequel trilogy now. The, the more, I think the more, I'm, I'm still welcoming episode nine. I'm looking forward to it and I will enjoy it. I'm hoping because... I'm hoping it's not going to be the road crash that we saw in The Last Jedi. But I do, the more I've thought about this over the last, over the last 12 months, I think it's been triggered by The Last Jedi, the more I'm, I'm firmly of the opinion that the mistake that, that the Lucasfilm Disney have now made was that they were too quick to try and cash in on the original trilogy characters and they were too quick to try and cash in on quick returns to, to get the, the original fans back. And so what they did was they gave us what we wanted in a way that we saw our childhood heroes as, as more, more elderly characters back on screen and back doing what they're meant to be doing and back doing it with various degrees of success. But what we've seen is a tarnishing of those characters. Um, and I don't think it's entirely deliberate. Um, it, it began with what was done with um, Han Solo in that his character, he he was portrayed as a father who'd run away from his obligations when things started to go wrong. 
Um, and that was how he was portrayed. And yes, he he went hunting for his spaceship when his son was turning into a Sith or Sith wannabe. Now, I'm, I'm not... For me, that that's not exactly a from from a father's perspective. That's not exactly a responsible father's position. Um, I want my old Ford Cortina back, even though my son is becoming Hitler. Um, so, so it began with Han Solo's character. We then saw um, Mark Hamill's. Luke Skywalker's character also then tarnished in the next movie because, and, and I'm not necessarily saying that it was the filmmaker's fault in this. I'm saying that we all had expectations of these characters and we all had expectations of, of the glorious future that our childhood heroes had after they destroyed the empire. So to see those same characters with failings, as they grew older, was was perhaps not the the cleverest of ideas to have done, and I, for all the I mean, right I, reasons, I've been saying that for a long time as well, Dave. Because I I've been saying that for I think nine ten months that so I think they've made this huge yeah. mistake, and actually the last uh, sorry, the Force Awakens is where this all starts to go wrong, not the last. I, I, I I'm yeah I'm, I'm I am agreeing with you on that to be honest. Um, I, but I, I do have another question for you, which is, yeah, which is this, and I'm sorry, Mara, if I I don't think you've seen Avengers Endgame yet, have you? I have not. Okay, so I'm sorry that uh, this this will have to be directed oh, at Dave. We can't do this. We can't do this on a podcast, can we? Well, I'm no, no. This the question. The question about this is, is I think that there is a split even in the Marvel community much like the Star Wars community, which is that people who are heavily invested in the films have genuine criticisms and problems of where it's going, whereas newer or more casual people don't. And I think we've now seen it happen in both Marvel and Star Wars in the last five years. And uh, Alex isn't here to sort of bring a point of view to this, but I, I do think it's it's Disney have got questions to be answered about this now, about how they're segmenting audiences and achieving end goals. Yeah, I, th- I think I, I might, Alex and myself, I've debated this offline um, or off pos- or off off podcast at least. Um, I think that Marvel. There, there are almost two universes in Marvel now. I think you've got your comic book um, passionate fans who look at the movies and say, that's not Thor, or that's not the Hulk, or Iron Man. He was never that great a character. And so you, you've got the fans who have followed the comic books religiously, who were perhaps not as happy with how the movies have portrayed them. But for me, that's in large part because you're, and I don't think there's ever been a, a, a superb comic book adaption to, to, to the big screen. And I don't think that's a, a failing of cinema. I just think it's the fact that you're in a different medium, and so you portray characters slightly differently because you're you're trying to get across a a film 
in a two-hour slot. So, so it is a, it's, it's handled differently. I think what's the, the difference in Star Wars with this is that it started off on screen. It started off on a big cinema. So if, they, if, if the current people running Lucasfilm can't get Star Wars to work on screen the way it did 30, 40 years ago, then the failing is with the people running Lucasfilm, not necessarily the fact that they're trying to translate something to a different medium, which is what's happening in Marvel. Does sure. that make sense? It, it does make sense to me, and and I, I I agree. I do agree with what you're saying, but I do think there is. I do think even in Star Wars, there are people who are around with the original trilogy. People around the yeah. prequels, people around with the sequels, and the people who really like the most recent series are mostly of a, of a younger age. Um, you know, they're online; they talk about it a lot, and there is that different segmentation in that form, rather than being comic book versus yeah. um, MCU. It's, just, it's and, and, uh, but then Star yeah, Wars and, is a traditional thing. Exactly, and so it's but so is Marvel for those for that side in terms of, and I, and I just wonder if if there's a problem with Disney not recognizing their their core audience in both situations. Do you see what I mean by that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do actually because I think both brands are trying to capitalize on cinema ticket sales. Exactly, and so. To some extent, they've got to make it mass market, exactly. and they've got to try and. Well, you say that they've got to do that, but then you look at longevity and how much money Star Wars has brought in from being a niche geek thing. Mm. Does it have to be mass market to be successful? Well, I, I, I think you, yeah. you get the right passion and you get the right type of fans. And and this is this is something that is the difference I think between Marvel and Star Wars. The the passionate fans in Marvel collect the comics and read them profusely, but other merchandise doesn't tend to sell as well. So the action figures, uh mm. The collectibles, there, there is still a market there because you do get hot toys selling Marvel Marvel um, characters. You do you get them selling DC characters. So there is there is a collectible market out there, but it's not as prolific as a Star Wars market. And yeah. you see that when you go into any shop, anywhere. If you go into a supermarket, you see something branded up Star Wars. You will not necessarily see something branded up Marvel. Because Marvel as a brand doesn't necessarily sell a pencil case. It doesn't sell uh, a desk tidy. It doesn't sell an air freshener. Whereas Star Wars does sell that. But not to everybody. Yeah, I, I think that's... And I think, Mary, we can bring you into this point. I saw um, it was a Bloomberg tweet the other day that Star Wars fans will be devastated as Avengers is set to overtake um, Avatar as the most grossing film of all time. I don't think that's the case at all for Star Wars fans. But I do think 
there is a, a sea change to your to your point, Dave, where Star Wars is becoming multimedia in terms of it's on film, it's on TV, it's internet series, books, comics, there's all uh, Galaxy's Edge. Whereas Marvel seems to now be, to me, the more dominant film franchise going forward. How, how do you feel about that, Mary? Do you think I'm right? Uh, I don't. I, I don't. It's more now, popular now. <laughs> the what? It's more popular now. People are spending more money to go see Marvel than Star Wars. Well, if sub-films like, you know, Solo versus, let's say, uh, what was the most recent one? Captain Marvel. What yeah. you Black, Black Panther what? and Solo came out around the same time. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, it's Endgame has been such a, you know, a hype. I mean, marketing can sell anything. And if it's marketing well, it's going to do better. I mean, I, I think you're going to see a bit of a turnaround here. I mean, this is episode nine of Star Wars. This is the end, the literal end of the Skywalker saga. I we think that... 40 years ago. Oh, I'm sorry? We were told that 40 years ago. Right. Well, right. <laughs> <laughs> but now they're, I think they're promising because of everything that's happened. I don't know. That's my theory. They really should promise. Um, and I think that we're going to see a shift back to uh, now. I'm not predicting that, you know, episode nine is going to outsell Endgame or or whatever. I mean, it's definitely hyped. It's definitely uh, Endgame hype, 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 hype. I mean, what's going to happen? It did leave us. You know what I mean? I, I think we're going to I don't think it's greater than um, I think. Yeah. Anyway. I could go on. So, so there's two points to that. I mean, even if you look at trailer views, like Star Wars is getting half of what the bit last two Avengers films are getting. So there seems to be more general interest out there. And and I, Dave, I, just to pick up on Mara's point about the end of the Skywalker series, and I have heard this in other places, it really bothers me the amount they're marketing that point. I don't know why they're doing it like that. Is, is there anything that, bugs you as well because like you said we've heard it before it closes off so many future options i don't really understand why they're doing that do you well to to go back to what we were discussing before i think the mistake was going back to the skywalker saga in the first place yeah when you look at when you look at the quality of the two standalone movies rogue one and solo yeah they felt like pure, authentic Star Wars movies. Neither of them did as well as the saga did in the in the cinema. But both of them, when you watch, when you when you look at the comments online, when you look at um, at least the people that I tend to interact with, I'm like personally, I've I've got over two and a half thousand followers on Twitter, and and I'm on Twitter fairly regularly, and I'm interacting with people. Some people don't agree with me about The Last Jedi, and that's fine. We can have that type of honest conversation online, so long as we, we don't degenerate into, into insults at each other. I'm more than happy to debate the merit relative merits of each of the movies. And one thing that I do tend to see online is that at least with the, the people that I'm interacting with on a regular basis, that that they loved both Rogue One and Solo. There's, mm-hmm. Yes, you do get the, 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 the odd comments from people that they didn't enjoy it as much, or why was Solo ever made? I do understand that. 
Um, but both of those standalone movies have generated a lot of love by the people who I would actually see as being the hardcore Star Wars fans who are the ones who buy the merchandise, who get the collectibles, who actually give Disney a much greater return on their investments than merely going to watch a movie. Um, so so my, my question really is, is do we, did we ever need a continuation of the Skywalker saga? Or could we have just left the Skywalker saga alone at the end of Return of the Jedi? But now it, but now it has happened. Mm-hmm. Would you want to clo- close off Rey and Kylo Ren? I don't have any great attachment to either of them. Me neither. I like them. I like them. Um, they're, they're good enough characters. But if Ray dies, will I be as upset as... as... Okay. Um, about 18 months ago, um, Old Man Logan came out, um, the final movie of Wolverine. Um, and for anybody who's not seen it, I do apologize here. <laughs> Wolverine dies at the end of that movie. For me, there was a lot of emotional attachment when he died because his character has been around for 18 years. <laughs> I must admit, Hugh Jackman has, has made Wolverine his character. Um, but when, when Wolverine died at the end of that movie, and also when um, partway through it, when Charles Xavier died as well, for me, those were quite memorable deaths because the characters resonated with me whereas if ray dies am i really upset i don't think i would be i don't have that same level of of emotional attachment to these characters the 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 last 10 minutes of rogue one where you watch each of the heroes die in a very particular way. It almost felt a little bit like um, The Magnificent Seven, where each of the gunslingers die in a spectacular way. And for each of the characters and how they fall, Mm. um, such as um, when Chira Emery is... He manages to cross all the way across a battlefield to be able to press the button, and then he dies. And then to watch Baze Malbus pick up his Gatling cannon-type thing and go storming against the stormtroopers to avenge his friend's death and recover the body, and so goes out in a blaze of glory himself. That resonated. And... And those characters, despite us only watching those characters in one movie, the camaraderie and the family that those characters had meant that you were as emotionally invested in those characters. And so when they died, even though you knew that they must die because there was never mentioned in any of the other movies, you know that none of them could ever ever live beyond this film. It was still a powerful thing to watch each of them die even k2so a robot 
So I'm not certain I would have that level of emotional attachment if something was to happen to Ray. Yeah, I mean that's that that's again one of my problems with the the trailer was you know calling her a jet uh, was it every generation has a hero at the start what yeah her I don't, you know but anyway I want to move on to the to the Mandalorian so we have plenty of time to talk about it so Mera do you have anything else to say about the trailer now you've had a couple of weeks to think about it and let it all sink in and probably watch it again um for the, the episode nine? Yeah. Uh, no, not really. I, I'm going <laughs> to wait and see. I'm going to wait and see. I Fair really don't enough. want conjecture. <laughs> Fair enough. So I, I'm assuming we've all watched the Mandalorian panel here. Is that right? Mm-hmm. I've seen most of it. <laughs> Just, <laughs> there was bits of it I, I, I skipped through. <laughs> Okay, okay. So let's let's just start for those, and I'm sure everyone already knows this, but the show will take place several years after the events of The Return of the Jedi, and it's led by um, John Favreau and Dave Filoni. Um, Favreau said, I've been working on this idea because it's really compelling. The idea of the Empire falling, the revolution is successful, but then what happens? Because if you look throughout history, it's fun at first, but it gets complicated very quickly. Which I think is a brilliant premise to start off any series. So, I mean, I think there was a huge amount of excitement around this to begin with. So what do you feel about, first of all, Dave Filoni being involved in live action? And the obvious love I think we saw in the panel from from John Favreau. Maybe, Mary, you could kick us off again with that? Oh, oh my goodness. I am ecstatic and so excited that uh, Dave is going to be doing live action. I think that he is, um, I think they need to use him more and a lot more of this type, any type. I mean, he's a good star Wars storyteller. And then to team up with John Favreau, you can just tell that they hit it off. Well, they work well together. They're both passionate about the subject. I'm very, very excited. I think this is going to be good stuff. I mean, they, were you were you aware that John Favreau was um, such a Star Wars fan before the panel? I had no idea to the extent of his fandom. Yes, yeah, yes. Other little things that you know, some interviews and, and things, and just uh, I don't know. He's always been associated with, uh, well, more recently that is with Star Wars than uh, before. But it's really nice to have him loving it so much. Yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed that. Dave, what did you think about the panel and the way it was introduced? I think it's a small case of, of almost like a kingmaker moment, if that makes sense. Um, Kathleen Kennedy is the current CEO lead of Lucasfilm. And we've said this previously on other podcasts, that Dave Filoni lives and breathes Star Wars. The mm-hmm. guy is a walking encyclopedia about what Star Wars is, about how the fans... Nothing he's ever done has not resonated with the fans. Um, he understands the, 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 the mythology behind Star Wars. He understands the mechanics of Star Wars. He's able to draw the mechanics of Star Wars. Well, he's worked under... Lucas yes, himself. Exactly. 
Yes, mm. yes. I mean, he he was effectively George Lucas's understudy for a number of years. Mm-hmm. But the one thing he doesn't have is is live action. He's got animation down pat. He's got animation that's so good that it wins Emmys. He can control a production that's that's animation. The one thing he doesn't have to make him a successful movie executive, to make him a possible CEO of Lucasfilm, is live action. And yes, he doesn't have the movie part of it, but he doesn't have the live action. So I think The Mandalorian is the opportunity for him to to, to progress his career and for him to show his capability on screen with live action. And he's doing it with John Favreau, who is a known entity, who is a trusted, trusted pair of hands, who knows his way around filmmaking. He's going to be able to, to pick up what he needs to pick up on, on a, a real set and look at how it's being pulled together. Because when, when you look at what they've produced so far and, and, and whether it's the, it's the the screen clips we've been given so far or the stills, they're, they're almost putting movie-quality production into this to, to give it the authenticity of Star Wars. And so that gives a great opportunity for Dave Filoni to, to grow into movie production. And that then sets him up for taking over... Disney, not Disney, um, well, that's one step even further, taking over Lucasfilm. Yeah. So, yeah. so for me, I think this is the first step of the, the kingmaker process. Yeah. I, th- I think, gosh, we're going to Marvel quite a bit here today, but obviously John Favreau directed Iron Man, which was Paramount back then, not Disney, um, which kicked off that whole series. And I just think he's the right person to be doing this, perhaps mm-hmm. even more so than Filoni for me in, in in terms of coming in and setting up a new series, but under the tutelage of someone who gets it. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. I mean, that, there, was, there was so much camaraderie between the two that I think it was hard not, not to be impressed by the depth of fandom on stage um and so we can talk a little bit i think about the the area that it's set up with and that tonally it's going to be that of scum and villainy um john farrow said that all the different there are different tones in star wars but i always loved when i saw the original star wars and i saw all the characters in the cantina the smugglers the underworld the scum and the villainy to me it was a rich environment to tell a story I'm really excited about them going to this area. Um, I think, you know, we've seen lots of areas developed, but I'm not sure that this one has quite been given the highlight. And I think this is going to be one of the, the Mandalorian's real strong suits is the area it's set in. What do you think, Mara? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm right spot on with you, Ali. I think this is a wonderful area. I think it's, uh, we want this. I know I do. And Dave? It was touched on quite a bit in the Clone War cartoons. You would you would often see how the underworld was was a power in its own right, and so was able to to deal with the the um, the Republic as well as the Separatists. Mm. So it's only fair that it, it's 
showcased. And, and again, Solo. Solo was all around the underworld of the Empire at the time. Um, so I, I don't necessarily agree with you, Ali, that it's not been shown. Um, I think it has. I'd, uh, maybe it's not been given the prominence it, it it will be in this, but we we've always, and I think like you said, ever since the very first movie, we've always gravitated, gravitated back towards that. There's a recurring theme where you do see the underworld all the way through all of the movies. So, so for it to have its own particular focus is, is great. Well, we also have a different time, too. Now this is the Empire has fallen, and it's not completely known in every galaxy or system. It, I think it's going to be this element. It's very interesting to me. I, I'm looking forward to seeing how they play this out. Yeah. And, I mean, you brought up the Magnificent Seven a minute ago, Dave. And what we know from Pedro Pascal, who obviously was in Game of Thrones and is now the Mandalorian, is that, the Mandalorian is a mysterious lone gunfighter in the outer reach of the galaxy, and he's got a questionable moral character. Um, and he's he's obviously going for a bounty of some sort. Um, there's been speculation around what that might be. I don't know if you read that. But do you like the the idea, so let's go from scum and villainy, as the tone to being real Wild West shoot 'em ups lone gunfighters? Yes. Oh, yes. Definitely. Um when we saw the original movies and especially I would actually say probably um, A New Hope more so than the other movies that was Tatooine which was out on the outer rim it was a world where the respectable rub shoulders with scum and villainy um and it's even introduced that way by um, Obi-Wan Kenobi or old Ben to, to Luke. Um, so, it, it, yeah, it, it's nice that we're going to see characters who fall into that category. Han Solo, really, he fell into that category. He did have a strong moral purpose of right or wrong but he would have he had he admitted to doing some shady deals to get by um and who's to say that boba fett was an evil person he was a mercenary it was whoever paid him it just so happens that the the evil people in it seemed to have more money Mm -hmm. sorry go on he and uh, Solo had a history, obviously. It was intimated, as far as I can tell. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's like Bubba Fett, Bubba, you know, before his yeah, yeah, so Yeah. So, so, yeah. So, it's... Yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I, in some ways, I'm more excited about The Mandalorian than I am about the end of the Skywalker saga. Oh, I am, too. That's, yeah, that's the exact point I made on the last podcast as well, which is which is sad in a way, but because of what's happened. But I'm I'm so psyched for this and the way that it's going, and and as we were saying about the idea of different 
characters coming into it. I mean, we've got this um, character called Kara June, played by Gina Canero, who's an ex-rebel shock trooper having problems assimilating back into society after the destruction of the Empire. Now, so we've seen Operation Cinder in Battlefront 2 and what it was like for the stormtroopers, but I kind of like this idea of an ex-rebel trooper and, and what that Ooh. means. So, like, do, do you think that that focusing i think this focuses more on, on a human element perhaps than we've we've seen more recently which i, I think is kind of interesting oh yeah it's not yeah. rebels against empire right now i mean in this story i'm assuming it's you know we're, they're surviving they're you know figuring it out yeah i'm, I'm intrigued to see what the actual political fallout would be as well in this period because you you're out on the outer rim but the empire still had a toehold out there so does that mean that local moths become petty warlords with their own little private imperial army of, of stormtroopers in armor with tanks and what have you or is it being displaced by um the the resurgent republic trying to push its way into into the outer rim to to or are they pushing out the the established empire so you've got imperials fleeing from the 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 inner inner worlds to to more unknown regions so that they can hide or that they can establish themselves away from the, the scrutiny of the Republic. I'm, I'm really intrigued to see what the actual political landscape is that these um, bounty hunters are working within. Um, are they employed by the Empire or what was left of the Empire? Are they employed by local planetary um, authorities or are they employed by the underworld themselves, such as we, we used, we'd, we'd seen in the past that um, Boba Fett puts bounties on people's heads? So yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued to, to find out what, what the dynamic is out on the Outer Rim five years after the, the fall of the Empire. Or the, the fall of the power of the Empire. It's not necessarily the, the fall of the entire Empire. The, the, this, Like I said, this they could still be clinging on to power out on the outer rim. That That's really interesting as a, as a point, actually, um, because obviously we've seen that to an extent on Star Wars Resistance and what's mm. happened on the platform Colossus where, I'm, I'm sorry, but the, the main commander of the platform's name's it's completely slipped my mind but he was once um a stormtrooper wasn't he and involved or it was involved with the empire that's mm. made pretty clear early on so we've seen the the pockets have developed of previous imperial control outside of of uh, the new republic as it would be there so they they have slightly touched upon that but not to any great extent um and it's really interesting actually you know how earlier we were talking about dave filoni getting nearly everything right with Star Wars. The one question mark I'd have on that is is resistance. But um, I don't think he had the same level of control on that, though. I think he had passed it over to others. He was more in an executive producer-style role. Yeah, I mean, but it was it was... It was supposed to be his baby, wasn't it, until the Mandalorian came along. So I agree that may have been the outcome, but it was, it was his planning behind it. 
and um yeah, he's he's directed some of it. So anyway, there's no point in talking about resistance. But but in that context, I agree with you that the politics is what intrigues me around this. Um, I know people criticise that in the prequels, but do you like the idea of finding out more about that mirror? Oh sure. I mean, you've got we've got well with these these new chapters of Force Awakens and things. I mean. Y- what the birth of the new republic the birth of the first order something you know coming about and how has that started um oh yeah it's it's definitely uh, i mean it's interwoven throughout it's going to be interesting to see what they do but i mean everything has a beginning from something that died mm. very much so and can i ask are either of you this is very left field rocky fans at all Yes, I know Carl Weathers. I adore that. What did you think about him coming onto stage? (laughs) I'm like, oh my gosh, you're looking wonderful. And then his character, oh, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. What do you want to talk a little bit about that? Because obviously he is the leader of a guild of bounty hunters. Um, What did you think about his performance in general on the stage? I thought he was the star in many ways of, of the characters. Oh, well, he's been around for a long time. I mean, he's got presence. He's got style. He's got, oh, my goodness, he's Apollo Creed, for the love of God. Um, It's just wonderful. Um, I think he's going to be great. This is going to be a great character, in my humble opinion. Now, I could have rose-colored glasses on, and we'll have to see. But um, I think it's fitting. I really do. He's charismatic. He's. It doesn't surprise me that he's a leader of of these bounty hunters and, and getting the job done and being a little ruthless if you have to be. And, uh, you know, I'm very, very happy about that. Dave, what do you think about the casting in general? I think they may have hit this spot on, which would be brilliant. This, I, I think there's some great characters in it, but I think the way that they've, they've unveiled them as well, it's been done very well. <laughs> I, I, I don't know how to explain that anymore. Um, they've they've got a mixture of established, well-known actors and also actors who have had good success in recent years but are not necessarily a massively established actors, if, they, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so you, you, you've got a good mixture of, of solid characters, solid actors actresses actors i guess you just use the term the singular um you've you you've got well-known dependable cast members um as long as the script works with them then they, they should be on to a winner i think yeah. my, my sense was as well that people having a lot of fun around this um I don't know if you, if you saw that that John Favreau said that the, the stars of it actually did a lot of their own stunts, even when he told them not to. Yes. They were really into character to the extent that they were like, no, 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 I'm not letting the stunt, stunt double do this, which I thought was really, really interesting. They all seemed very dedicated as well to it, um, which which I thought was really, really lovely. There's a, there was a general respect across the table and an enjoyment. They These people really enjoyed filming whatever much they mm. <laughs> you can just tell it's going to be fabulous 
Yeah, and I, I was really impressed as well um, with the techniques that they were using. On the panel, they showed the Mandalorian ship, the the Razor Crest, and how they were using miniatures rather than CGI. Now, I, I had no idea how many shots they had to take to do one scene before they showed it at Celebration. Did, did you see that scene? And I was, I mean, it just, I thought it was brilliant, the dedication to, to such detail. I'm, I'm glad they did. It's kind of like days of old. It worked well then, and I, I get mm-hmm. excited about that because I don't mind CGI, but in in small amounts and when they can do something like this it's it's uh well it's hard one it's hard work it's definitely a dedication mm. i personally then, love would, would that again go back to 2013 kathleen kennedy made made certain statements at celebration in germany and one of the the statements she made was that cgi would only be used where cgi is beneficial it wasn't they they'd learned she said we'd learned from the prequels and rather than just using cgi because cgi is there we will revert back to proper sets we will revert back to miniatures we will build the things that we're filming rather than relying on a backdrop which which is one of the major criticisms that have been leveled at the the prequel movies really that it almost lost touch with the 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 grittiness of the the Star Wars universe, and this is what you're seeing in the Mandalorian. That the grittiness is there. It's real sand. It's it's real metal. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think I think it will benefit hugely from that authenticity as well i mean i'm not sure there's anything more to talk about with regard to the panel unless you've got any points to to make so this is purely from a selfish uk perspective as dave and i are based here the mandalorian is going to be available on disney plus beginning november 12 2019 in the states we don't know when we're going to get it yet (laughs) oops sorry thank you mary well i i thought you were gonna Buy Disney Plus and live stream it for us. Is that <laughs> what's happening? Well, I, you know, I could. I could be very, you know, generous. I love you guys. We could club, yeah. we could, we could club together yeah. to pay for it. You can all come out and visit me. <laughs> <laughs> That's an expensive way of getting my, my view oh, again. I know. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, do you know what I've just realised? I've literally just that is the week that I think Alex and I plan to be in America anyway. I literally <laughs> no. just realised that. That'd be good. Sorry, Dave. Sorry, Dave. <laughs> yeah, he sounds it. Uh, yeah, we'll be, we'll be at Dead Edge watching The Mandalorian. Sorry about that, mate. No reaction. <laughs> Thought I might get something out of you. But, but in all seriousness, if they don't release it, People are just going to pirate this. <laughs> you know, there's no way that they can keep this back from people. I mean, I, I certainly, the day it comes out, I'm going to find a stream for it. It, it. This is too big not to watch straight away. It's the most exciting thing in Star Wars for me at the moment, like Dave said. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm so keen to see it. And I'd be shocked if, if Disney didn't make it available, wouldn't you, Dave? Yes. Well, I've got 
Amazon Prime and I've got Netflix. Um, it would it would make sense that if they're not releasing it in other markets via Disney itself, that they use one of the other two main streaming services. It it, it would just make sense to. I would see Prime probably out of the two where you could buy each episode, if nothing else. Oh, that would be so annoying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can see my bank. Balance. I can see that happening. <laughs> yeah, don't give Disney ideas. No, yeah. well, do it to me on other things, and I'm just like, I'm out of spot out. So. No, it's true. Though. Yeah. Well, that's, you've you know. also got Clone Clone Wars as well. Yeah. Got exactly the same issue with Clone Wars. Yeah. 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 Uh, that, that's a panel to talk about another time because uh, I don't know if you heard in the last podcast, Dave, but I was watching the panel live, so I kept drifting in and out of our conversations. Yeah, but yeah. that is that's yeah. seriously. I, so I did. I did. I did. <laughs> Ultimate <laughs> professionals always over here. Um, but um, I, I'm just I'm super excited. But I guess we'll come to that at some point in the future. So, um, obviously, I don't know if people have been following us on social media. I, I assume most of you do. But if you're not, you can find us on Twitter at Jedi underscore Council. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. Um, but recently, Dave, we've kind of struck up a bit of a partnership with Lego. You know, thanks to Lego for sending us all of their great news. But I wonder if you wanted to talk people through what we've been seeing and, and how excited you are for it as our big collector on the show. Well, in a way, I would actually say thank you, Andy, for this, because Andy had, he'd reached out to Lego Direct, and he'd, I think he'd broached the the, the conversation along the lines of, we would like to be involved with Lego, we would like to um, obtain information from Lego, and so I think he was channeled to a PR agency who does the work on behalf of, of, of Lego. Um, and obviously ties into everything that they do with regards to um, the, the, the star Wars products. And so he, I think he initially registered us with this PR agency, um, I think it's uh, uh, um, Flashpoint PR um, in the US, and they've just been absolutely amazing with us. Um, it's it started off earlier this year where they sent us a load of information about the twentieth anniversary kits because obviously this year is twenty years since. Lego started their affiliation with Star Wars. Um, I think it was their first branching out with another brand to to promote items, and arguably their most successful as well. And on the basis that it's lasted twenty years, on the back of that, they've had similar tie-ups with the likes of Harry Potter and Warner Brothers. They've they've had it with Marvel, obviously. They've had it with DC. Um, and there's been other smaller spin-outs as well, um, such as Ghostbusters. But the, the, the long enduring one has been the, the Star Wars partnership. So 
we were contacted by um, the, the PR agency informing us that there was um, a number of sets uh, that were going to be released this year to, to mark the 20th anniversary, such as um, Slave One, um, which would all carry a 20th anniversary minifigure that was specific to each set, but it was done in the original um, method of of the Star Wars Lego figures. So for people who don't collect Star Wars and people who don't collect Lego Star Wars particularly, um, when the original sets came out 20 years ago, the Lego figures were portrayed exactly the same as Lego does for all of the other brands in that the faces of all the Lego people were yellow. Um, obviously, if the character was non-white, then they would be portrayed as a, a various shade of brown. But if, if there was a white character, they had a yellow face and yellow hands. Whereas probably about 10-ish years ago, they shifted to producing all Star Wars-themed Lego figures with correct skin color and that might actually be down more to the fact that there's so many different alien races in star wars that maybe they came across needing to do a yellow character and realized that all their white characters were yellow anyway um so i think that's, that's possibly how that came about but what they've done for these 20th cent uh, um, anniversary sets is actually reproduce the original minifigures that were released 20 years ago um, with the, the yellow faces. And I thought well, that's a nice touch to actually a little throwback to the original figures. So that was the first thing that they told us about. We then, I'm actually telling a lie there, I think the first one might have been Vader's Castle, actually, at the back end of last year. So, so okay, so we, we had a couple of small engagements such as that. The 20th anniversary one, the, the Vader bust that was to be unveiled at Celebration. But then what, what we've now been given, and this is just absolutely fantastic from Lego and, and from uh, the PR agency, is that we're now being given content prior to it being released for general consumption. So we've been given a lot of trust with new releases. And the first one of those was the, the Tantive 4 that was released, or that was announced at Celebration and was actually released yesterday on May the 4th, because yesterday was May the 4th. Today is um, Revenge of the 5th. Um, so we received um, the, the, the details of the Tantive. We were given um, motion capture videos. We were given full product specifications. We were given multiple photographs of the Tantive 4, which was just phenomenal. And the level of trust that LEGO had given us by providing all of this content under an embargo that we couldn't release any of the detail of it, we couldn't talk about it, we couldn't share it, we couldn't show anything until the embargoes lifted at very specific times. Um, and so it, it, it was just an absolute honour for, 
for for Lego to do that. And and so over the course of the week of the the build up to celebration, we pushed out a number of different bits and pieces that Lego had given us all celebrating the 20th anniversary of, of the, the collaboration between Lego and, and Star Wars. Uh, and that culminated with the release of the, the Tantive Four. Um, and I think due to the way that the embargo worked, we, we were given a specific time that we were allowed to release it, and it was to coincide with the Lego panel um, that was happening live in the U.S. In, in, in Chicago at the same time, and due to the fact that the the panel got round to unveiling the Tantive Four, um, and us being very much on the ball and wanting to release the content when we were allowed to release the content, we potentially announced the Tantive Four slightly ahead of the panel because. Obviously, the, the panel was happening live and people were talking. So whilst they had an agenda and they wanted to cover everything off, they possibly didn't cover it off when they wanted to cover it off at, by the certain time. So we might actually have been slightly ahead of the panel releasing the Tantive Four, which was qu- quite a nice um, thing position to be in. The fact that we had stuck to the rules and we, we obeyed the instructions that we'd been given by by Lego and by the PR company, and yet we were still slightly ahead of the the official announcement. And it's happened again this week. Um, we posted out yesterday um, a number of pictures of a Droid Commander set, which is being released by Lego. Um, it goes on sale. I think it's, it's September first. I've only, well, we've only been given U.S. pricing at the moment, but it's 199 U.S. dollars at the moment, um, and it's a fantastic looking set. It's on our website. If you want to go and have a look at the collectibles page of our website, the, there is actually a full product. Uh, specification on there that we've been given by Lego, um, a video clip of the Droid Commander in action. Um, it uses the Lego Boost system, which uh, I don't know if anyone's aware of, but it's it's an app-based system w- which allows you to actually build modular programming. So you can, they're almost done as building blocks that anybody can pick up young or old and you build instructions for the droids that you can then push out to the droids to make the droids obey your command um so it it looks absolutely fantastic um and again I, i cannot stress how privileged we've been to be given the trust by the the pr company and lego to share this with fans, but for them to to trust us to hold on to this content. So I think we've received the the Droid Commander details about five days before the um, the time that we were allowed to release it ourselves. So to to give us that trust and and to to trust us in such a way, I. I I just can't say thank you enough to Lego for that. I think that's that's me raving about Lego over and done. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I, if Andy was here, I think he'd be able to elaborate a little bit more on this than 
the Mera and I. But um, I, I certainly thought, as you were touching on the modular, the coding part was really interesting, what you could do with droids. Really good. Yeah, was, there's some really cool videos floating around about what you can do with them. And, you know, you can get the droids to shoot things, can't you, and all kinds of stuff, which is really cool. Yeah, and, and, and make them move in, in certain, follow certain paths or perform certain, I think the way that it's done on the app and the, the way it's done for, for the, to, obviously to tie into the Lego thing, is that you're giving missions to the droids. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're giving them a mission to go and do something which might involve shooting missiles. Oh, that's, that's really, really cool. Mara, I, I think your collection's growing. Am I right in saying that? yes 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 indeed i just had a wonderful surprise um probably i don't know not even a week ago now that a um the remote uh, correct me if i'm wrong dave um for the exact name but um how how tall is it is it quite 12 inches do you think The, the the what sorry the the remote control r2d2 i got that that I can. Um, uh, oh right, yes. The, the Hasbro one. Yes. Yes, yes. It was such a delightful surprise, uh, and it was. I kind of teared up, to be frankly honest with you, and posted some pictures on Twitter and Instagram, because I have been wanting uh, an R two D two for uh, you know, I mean, I don't know if I'm ever going to get a life size one, but there is always hope. <laughs> but this is just. I mean, you put the batteries in, and he just started talking up a storm, moving and doing this. Uh, is he, like, a voice-controlled or anything? But, but yes, yes, I think gradually I, you know, um, it, it was the best gift I've had in a long time. And uh, sweet Mina had sent that to me. Uh, such a sweetheart. And knowing how much I love that little astromech um, it's just brought me so much literal joy just walking by <laughs> where I have him sitting. Um, Cause you know, he talks back to me and it's just, it's, I, I'm gushing. <laughs> no, I, I, I have the same piece is fantastic. It's really good. Really good. Um, and you know, I'm like, <laughs> without um, bashing the competition because um <laughs> It's it's an app controlled uh, toy effectively, and it's yeah. very similar to the Sphero one that was released a little bit. I, I think this, the the original Sphero was the the BB-8 one because I've also I've got the the Sphero BB-8, um, but I don't have the Sphero R2 unit, uh, but I do have the Hasbro one, and. I think the Hasbro one retails about half the price of the Sphero one. Um, but I, I, I must, I don't know what the, the Sphero one can do that the, the Hasbro one can't, but I'm so happy with the Hasbro one, to be honest. Really, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying anything against the, the Sphero here because the Sphero BB-8 I've got is brilliant, yeah. but I, I, I love the, the, the Hasbro R2 unit. It is really, really good. I love the fact that you can make him just dance on the spot. It's brilliant. And he does. And he's just he does. so lovely. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> I'm in love. 
Well, Dave, I think when Mera started this, she had one piece in her Star Wars collection. Sounds like me. You've you've successfully turned her into another collector. I think I think she might be. So I've I've managed to corrupt Andy, and now Mera. <laughs> well, I did buy two sets that I did See? one from Solo. And then um, the Millennium Falcon with Chewie in the cockpit. Oh, the microfighter. Yeah, the microfighter, yes. Yeah, but then I got the um, one from Solo about the... Um, uh, uh, is it a patrol trooper? Yes, that's him. Yeah. I don't so. have that set, but I do want the patrol trooper. I've got him... I've got the Black Series version, but I don't have the Lego one. Vroom, vroom. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> Watch out, world. (laughs) (laughs) Mary is playing with it whilst on this recording, isn't she? She sat there going, vroom, vroom. (laughs) What? You can't prove it. (laughs) Can, we've got audio. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, Dave, I think... um, so it's bank holiday weekend here in the UK, recording on Sunday night. Tomorrow you're off to the Star Wars Fun Day in Burnley, which you've attended previously. I just wonder if you wanted to talk a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Andy lives about 100 miles away from me. Um, so he's actually travelling up tomorrow. Um, and him, myself, and my two boys are going to go over to it. It's the Star Wars Fan Fun Day, S-W-F-F-D, yes. Um, and Catchy. <laughs> yeah, it is, yes, yes, S-W-F-F-D. Um, what can I say? Rolls off the tongue. Um, so it's probably, I think this will be its 12th year. Um, it's become quite a, a, especially in the north of England, it's become a bit of a cornerstone for the Star Wars um, convention circuit. Um, I've been to, I think I've only missed one in the last 10 years um, that I've not been to. Um, I was fortunate enough to go for their 10th anniversary one where it actually went over a couple of days rather than just being one. Um, I got to meet Natalie Cox, um, who was star of the um, Force Unleashed uh, um, computer games. Um, I got to meet um, the real Ezra Bridger, um, Taylor Gray. Um, He was such a nice guy. Um, and I, I also got to meet, uh, David Prowse. <laughs> so, <Yeah>. yes. <laughs> so, um, I mean, there, there were other people there as well. I mean, Jimmy V, um, the new R2D. Um, so it is really, really good. Um, it's not the biggest event. Um, it's hosted at Burnley football grounds, um, where it's been, it, it wasn't originally there. I think it was in a, a local hall, civic hall or something like that. But then it, it grew out of there and so moved into the football grounds. And it's it's been in the football grounds every time I've been to it. Um, and you get, I mean, from a collector perspective, it's phenomenal. What you can pick up there, um, there are genuine traders there who... And not just trying to fleece you 
to 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 flog wares. Um, you get people with a genuine interest there. You get fantastic cosplayers there. You normally get um, a cos grouping uh, group called the the 99th, which is similar to the 501st um, in that they do plenty of charitable work. So I think the, they attend the event for free, but they're fundraising for, for local charities. Um um, you, you get the opportunity to shoot a trooper, which my boys always enjoy doing. So you, you get um, a number of people in stormtrooper, full stormtrooper, sand trooper, um, tie fighter pilots, you name it. They'll be stood there and they'll just stand there whilst children take pot shots at them with Nerf guns. It's it's brilliant. <laughs> What's not to love? <laughs> Um, so yes, we're going tomorrow. Really looking forward to it. Um, like I said, it, it's not the biggest, but the, there is a, a genuine sense of love of Star Wars at it. Um, we tend to arrive a little bit early. We've already bought our tickets, so we get to go in fairly quickly. But even so, we, we might arrive half an hour before the doors open, and there's already a queue, uh, a decent-sized queue by the time we get there. So you you do get people, it, it's become a firm favourite on the calendar, I think, for a number of people, because you tend to see the same people there each year. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm really looking forward to going. It'll be, it'll be fun. It really will be fun. Nice. And speaking of big events coming up, Mera? Yes. Are you coming to London soon? <laughs> I am coming to London soon. When are you coming to London, Mera? <laughs> oh my god. Oh I have my god. to be coming to London on Wednesday. Wednesday? Well, I think that's a bigger event than Star Wars Day in Burnley. <laughs> Fund family f- sorry, SWFFD in Burnley myself. But <laughs> how how come I'm now on a podcast with Dick Van Dyke and Dick Van Dyke's wife? <laughs> How do you feel? We're on a podcast with Jon Snow the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Dave. Um, (laughs) But yeah, Mary's coming, which is quite exciting news. So should we let everyone know that for the first time ever, the Jedi Council is actually going to record a podcast with everyone in the same room? And I am incredibly excited about this. Everyone in the same country. Yes, <laughs> but Dave, finally, we're all going to meet up. We've never, we've never all met, so this is kind of a huge deal for us all. Mm. I'm actually—I don't think I even told you this. I was—I was supposed to be in Germany on Saturday uh, no. for work, and I've changed my flight to come back late Friday so that I can be there. Um, so I'm—I'm I'm tremendously excited. I know. But, so yeah, I, to me, that's the big event. So coming soon. All of us talking over each other, not sticking on topic. <laughs> but with the added bonus of being on one microphone, which is sure to go terribly wrong and pour out oh. and keep control. Does that mean that we get to blame Alex if it does go wrong? Oh. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, no pressure, then. Yeah, in, in a true Jedi Council style, you know, logistics have been sorted. Haven't. Equipment found. <laughs> Not happened. Uh, but it will be all right on the night, I'm sure. 
Oh, we oh, will. Oh. I cannot, cannot wait. I keep pinching myself. Like, this is just going to be so wonderful to meet you all in person and hopefully as many significant others' wives as possible. If not, um, you know, I'll take what I can well, get. <laughs> well, I say we're traveling down. I'm coming down with Amy and the boys. We'll be arriving into London on Friday evening. Um, and I think we're staying in the same complex as you, Maris. So oh, you yes. never know. We might get a chance to see you Friday night. I don't know what time we'll arrive in London yet, though. Yeah. 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 So yeah. very exciting. Jedi Council hitting central London on Saturday. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, the, the event that nobody's been asking for other than us. Um, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Watch out. I guarantee we're going to be inundated on Twitter with people wanting to meet you now, Mera, and join us. <laughs> I don't know about that, but... Uh... <laughs> um, the with a stick. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> there, there's, a, there's, a, there's a one bottle of champagne minimum if you want to join the group to meet Mera. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll be on our cups right, by that point. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so, Mera... Uh, how about we start with you on final thoughts then obviously because you're coming to London (laughs) (laughs) I promise I won't make any meat pies Um, but um, wonderful um, opportunity uh, to come and talk to you guys uh, this Saturday (laughs) this coming next Saturday oh my gosh it is this Saturday yeah exactly it's crazy Um, right (laughs) it's crazy I've been doing a countdown for so long um but and to discuss all these things uh, that we've been talking about today, and I still think it's such an exciting time uh, for Star Wars. There's so many stories to tell, and uh, yeah, the Mandalorian is definitely something I'm looking forward to, and I, I just can't wait. And uh, I'm gonna hug you guys until you can't breathe. So the end. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, well, you put a lot of photos up on Instagram these days. So are we we're gonna we're just gonna have our faces everywhere. Right. Well, nobody has known this until this podcast. Oh, sorry. That's okay. Oh. That's okay. Whoops. Well, we can say it, so because <laughs> you can't make sense. Like oh. um, Dave, final thoughts. Um. <laughs> Don't I sound quite excited. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Lost, lost the words. I, 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 I think I just. I just want to say, again, a a profuse thank you to Lego Mm. for the level of trust that they've put in us over the last last three, four weeks now. Um, It's it's been a pleasure being given the content and being trusted with it. So I just I just want to say thank you to Lego again. Mm, Absolutely brilliant and so we are the jedi council as i said earlier you can find us on twitter at jedi underscore council you can find us on facebook instagram and we're available on all pod services from spotify to itunes and may the force be with you the force will be with you